Looks like we are live. So how's it going, everybody? I'm Kyle at Kyle underscore Moonlight on Twitter. Go ahead, Joe. Introduce yourself. I'm Joseph, JDManly18 on Twitter. All right. Um, so this is going to be the first episode of the Damascus Road, which is going to be our podcast, our weekly podcast from here on out. Um, so today we want to talk a little bit about Samson from the Bible, which he's in. The story of his life is in Judges 13 through 16. So if, if the listeners want to follow along, fact check me, I guess. But um, starting with Samson's life. So he was born a Nazarite, and we see that in Judges 13, 4 through 5. And what that means is that he's not allowed to touch dead bodies. He's not allowed to drink wine, and he's not allowed to cut his hair. But um, through his life, he fell in love with a Philistine, which we start to see in Judges 14. Um, and it was it was wrong for them to for Israelites to fall to marry and love Philistines, which in Deuteronomy 7 God talks about how He wants Israelites to only marry their own. So that starts to be a problem. Um, and then as he was going to get his wife to to marry her, he killed a lion, and then he. I ended up visiting with her and then coming back and then going back to see her again. And as he was going back the second time, he found the lion, the lion's body and ate honey out of it. Um, and then so like, well, he found bees living in there with honey. And so he ate some of the honey. And then while he was at his marriage feast, there were, were at least 30 guests, which there were Philistine guests. And the least we can, I mean, my rough translation of that is that they were probably like equivalent to his groomsmen, his best men. Um, there were 30 of them. Um, and he bets those 30 men that he bets them 30 sheets and 30 garments that they can't solve his riddle. And the riddle is out of the eater came forth meat and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And he's obviously referring to the lion and the honey. So the 30 guests, um, they couldn't figure out the riddle, and so for seven days they struggled with it, and they got his wife, his new Philistine wife, to guilt him into telling her the, telling them the answer, and so she ultimately told the guests what the answer was. Um, and then Samson was so mad that they tricked him and they tricked his wife and they took advantage of him, really, that he went to um, another city, killed and in his rage, he killed 30 Philistines and took their stuff so that he could pay them back for the bet. And then after this, Samson is gone for so long that he, his father-in-law, his new Philistine father-in-law, figures, well, he's just gone. I'm, he's never coming back. And so he gives his wife to somebody else. And so he's forcibly divorced from his wife. And then Samson is, again, he's so mad. That he burns down all the Philistines' corn by tying foxtails together, lighting them on fire, and then sending them throughout the field so that they can burn down all the corn. Um, Samson was then taken captive, but God made the the ropes that they used to tie him up made it like loose, and so he he got free, and he killed a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. Is it? He picked up the first thing he could find, and it happened to be a jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> he killed a thousand Philistines with it. Um, then it's, the Bible says that Samson judged Israel for 20 years. And so for 20 years, we don't really know exactly what was happening. We just know that he was basically in charge. 
of the Israelites. Um, so all this time, this whole 20 years, the Philistines were plotting against him because they, they hated him. They were enemies. And at one point, Samson goes to Gaza and falls in, falls in love with Delilah, who Delilah was also a Philistine. Um, the Philistines saw their chance with Delilah and convinced her to find out how they could kill him. And so um, Samson, li he lied to her three times and told him, uh, told Delilah different ways that he could be killed. And she betrayed him all three times. But Samson still on the fourth time um, told her the truth. And then they ultimately shaved his head. He lost all of his strength. He was the strongest man that the world is in history. And he lost all of his strength and he was tied in between two pillars um, that was below a, a house where the Philistines lived. And um, Judges 16, 15 through 16 talks about that process where she ultimately tricked him. It says, I read it from the King James Version. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. So she told him that her soul was, was so vexed that he couldn't, like he was mocking her basically. But she still betrayed him and he, he let her go and she betrayed him. And so after being shaved, he was tied in between these pillars, which held up the house where the Philistines were. And so all the important Philistines, all of the like army commanders and the leaders were in the house. And so um, the Philistines were like mocking him. They were, there was a big crowd gathered watching him, throwing things at him, and they were worshiping their God. And I think that's pretty important because when Samson prays for his strength back, so he he prays to God to get his his strength back so that he can pull on the pillars and pull the house down and all those Philistine commanders that were inside and all the Philistines down below, the house fell on top of them and they were they were dead. And so um that's the end of the story. Samson ended up pulling the house onto himself as well, so he died. But God gave him his strength back, and he was able to be the hero in the end. So Interesting point. The Bible says that in that last act, he killed more Philistines than he did his entire living life. Right, right. So even with the thousand that he killed with the jawbone and the 30 that he killed before to settle his bets and stuff, he still managed to kill more. And this one hurt more, hurt them more because... They were all high ranking. They're all commanders and kings and leaders and stuff. So I guess, do you have any notes to start us off with that? Um, there are several lessons that a person can learn from Samson. Right. Um, just, just, uh, just the fact that he's a Nazarite, you can relate that to the way we're supposed to live as Christians and with purity of um, Working towards being more godly, closer walk with God. Um, Samson was called to be a. Samson was born a Nazarite. He was he was born to live holy and clean, same as we are. Samson kept messing up, the same like we do. Right. And the ultimate ending of it is God restored him and used him one last time. 
just like God does us when we sin and we sin and we sin and we sin, and then we finally come to repentance and turn to Him. God has a use for us. Yeah. Um, I think that's the overall lesson of the story of Samson, but there's several smaller lessons within the story itself. Right, right. And when I wrote, I typed up the the blog post that was announcing this podcast and stuff, and I think I kind of unknowingly put in there that neither of us are perfect and we don't claim to be, but like we still hope that God uses us. And so same thing, like you just said, we we mess up so many times, but God still finds a way to use us. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to First uh, Corinthians six seventeen and eighteen, it says, "Come out from among them and be separate," says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. So that, that, that's right along the lines of being a Nazarite. Right. Right. I think that's what's unclean. Right. Go ahead, keep what did you say? No, I was done. I said you just have to live in faith. Oh yeah. It's interesting that you jumped right into the Nazarite thing because we didn't we didn't compare notes at all, but I took notes on the same exact thing. So I focused on the Nazarite part of it too. And I thought that one of the interesting takeaways is that God wants us to live differently from other people and he shows that by the Nazarites weren't allowed to drink wine. And so he wants our, our lives as Christians to be separate and different from the people around us. You know what I'm saying? Right. But also he wants us to serve him from a clean and conscious mind. So he doesn't allow them to touch the corpus, corpses because he wants us to stay clean. And then he also wants us to be distinguishable from the rest of the world. So when the rest of the world looks at us as Christians, they should be able to know that person's different. He's got something that I don't have. And, and that is shown by when he doesn't let them cut their hair, they they're, they look different. You know, they physically have a difference about them, and that's what he wants for us as well. And so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. The Nazarites couldn't cut their hair, couldn't shave their beards. Right, right. Um, they were always a Nazarite, just like we're called to be Christians, not just in our church service on right. Sunday. Right. You know, we're, like you just said, we're to live a life of example. Right. Um, I think more evangelism is done just through living a Christian life and letting the people around you see that than any words that you can speak, any verses you can show somebody. It, it, it's all about your lifestyle and how and projecting the light, the glory, and the image of God to the people around you. Right, because we as Christians are supposed to be citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of the world, you know. That's right, we're just tourists here. Exactly, exactly. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, and you sort of hinted on it, but the closeness that I see in Samson's life and, and my life, you know, like we're real aligned. Because if you were to take out all of Samson's, all the names out of the story and all the references to like Philistines and Israelites, and you were to put my name in there, the story could be about me. Because I have gotten in so much trouble chasing after the wrong women. I've gotten in so much trouble with my ego and having talk, running my mouth and talking too much. And I've gotten in so much trouble with my temper, too. Like, I have gotten so mad that I would walk 20 miles to kill 30 Philistines and then walk 20 miles back. You know, like, I have been in that position. And so 
the thing is, I think it's easy for Christians today to look back on the life of Samson and to look back on the decisions that he made and kind of look down on him, you know, like, oh, who would do that? I would, like, I would, yeah. would make all those same mistakes. And I know people that have made all those same mistakes, and I'm one of them. So I just thought that was interesting because, like, it's hard for us to to see ourselves in the Bible, but this is one story where I absolutely see this is directed right at me. Oh, yeah. They, uh, there are so many so many stories in the Bible that you can apply to your own life in one way, shape, or form. Um, just just look at uh, the end of the story. You know, he's taken in captivity, hair shaved. He's in a bad situation. God used him. He used that bad situation for his own will. And that, that, that applies to us in our life. It doesn't matter where we find ourselves, what situations we find ourselves in. If we turn to God and put our faith in him, he will use that situation to bring his glory to fruition. Right. Right. The other thing that I thought was interesting was that Samson, it seems, only talks about God and only like turns to God when he's in a position of weakness. Have you know did you notice that too? So like when he he just got done killing the thousand Philistines with the jawbone, right? And he he's so tired and he's so thirsty that he finally <laughs> what I think might be the first time in the story, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but he turns to God and says, God, I'm so tired and I'm so thirsty. Can you help me? And God makes this miracle happen where um it's chapter fifteen in verse 19, it said, But God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name, and then there's a long name, which is unto Lehi unto this day. So he, God made water come out of that jawbone and so that Samson could refresh himself and not be thirsty anymore, and that he could drink. And that was the first time in the story that it mentions that Samson exhibited weakness and he fell back on God and God answered his, what he wanted. You know, he answered his desires. And then the only other time that I know of that he does that is when he's tied in between the pillars. And like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think those are the only two times when he actually calls on God that we know of throughout his life. So I don't know, I guess if we're going to turn that back into something that we can take away, a takeaway, he's one of those like fair weather Christians, you know, where when times are good, it's all me. But when times are bad, I'm going to fall back on God. Yeah. And, and, and too many Christians today only turn to God when they're in a bad situation. Um, Right. He should be first and foremost in every aspect of your life. Good decision, bad decision, good situation, bad situation. Right, exactly. I ask people, and um, since we're on this subject, how would you feel if your friends or your family only came to you when they were in a tough spot? Right, not very good. They don't want to come over for a barbecue. They don't want to come over and hang out, but they got to pay a power bill and they're down a hundred bucks. You know, it's the only time they come to you. And we treat God that way. 
Yeah, I kicked those friends out though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What I think. What's up? I think God gives up on people from time to time too. Do you? You think so? Dude. Hmm. No. Uh, I think God calls you and calls you and calls you, and you keep telling him no. He'll move on to another person that'll do what he wanted you to do. Hmm. I don't think you lose your chance at salvation. I think God will just take what he wanted for you and give it to somebody who will work. Right. Well, I, I guess I, I can agree with that. I, I like what you said about I don't think you can lose your chance at salvation because if you if you come to God, he's going to accept you if you come looking for him. But like at the same time, you're probably right that this is a whole nother topic, but God gives us each individual gifts so that we can serve a purpose. And if you deny him for so long, he's going to fill that purpose with somebody else. You know, so I think I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah. It's like, uh, I know a guy, a friend of mine in the church, he told me three years ago he was called to preach. I've yet to hear him preach a sermon. Really? Said, uh, and I told him, so God's going to use somebody else. Right. God's got something He wants you to say, it's you to teach, and you're not doing it. Wow. I, I have I have a call to preach, but I have preached. This is a type of preaching. Preaching is just teaching. And right, right. I mean, I'm not called to preach either. I don't think that that's what God wants for me, but. I do know this, that when God wants me to do something, and I I tweeted about this the other day, when God wants me to do something, he's going to hit me with that brick wall, and there's going to be nothing I can do except for that thing. And yeah. so if if he has a direction that he wants me to go, I, I got no choice. I'm not going to be happy if I don't go in that direction, you know? Yeah, but too many people will take a hammer and try to beat their way through that brick wall. Right, right. It's... You know, Samson is, you know, another lesson that Samson teaches us is we're free to choose how we want to live our life, but we're not free of the consequences of our choices. You know, God gave us free choice. God gave the angels free free choice or free will, whatever you want to talk about. You know, a third of the angels rebelled. Now they're going to go to hell at the end of all time. But uh, we have the choice. We can follow God. We can choose not to follow God. If we choose to follow God and then we choose to do something wrong, we, we get punished. You know, God will remove his mercy and his blessings. I call it getting whipped by God. And uh, that's a big part of Samson's story. He, he disobeyed God, disobeyed God. Uh, Judges 1630, uh, Samson, where I, I lost it here. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all might. And fell with the lords and upon the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew in his death were more than they which slew his life. In his life, um, so God removed his blessing from Samson. Samson lost his strength, and there at the end, he realized his wrong. But the consequences of his wrong was he was in a situation where he had to die to fulfill God's will. So right. there are consequences to our actions, regardless of what we choose to do. So you do think that free will is a thing and it's not just like we're here, we do what God tells us to do and then that's it. You do think that we have free will ourselves. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's how uh, that's how some people choose to be atheists or Satanists. Or, or if you are if you do not follow God, you have chosen to right. ignore Him, His calling, His Spirit. You've turned your back on. Him. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They all have free choices. Yeah. God, God does. I don't think God forces anybody to serve Him. God wants us to want Him. Yes. That's where he gets pissed away from. Mm-hmm. See, I go back and forth with some dudes on Twitter, and Chance Lunsford is one of the ones that I talk to about free will. And some people don't believe that that free will is a thing, but I do. I very much believe that it is a real thing and that we have free will and we are not predestined by God to do certain things. And even though he knows what he, he's, um, what's that word? He's all-knowing, right? But even though he already knows what's going to happen, he still gives us that choice to where we can choose. Right. I was actually just talking to Roman McClay about that today because I've been reading Sanction again. So I'm on my second time through Sanction, and free will is one of the things that comes up, and I was talking to him about that. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I'm thinking about. You know, uh, just to give uh, Roman McClay a little more free press here with sanction um, <laughs> I think a lot of people miss that the free will aspect of it mm-hmm. of that book I mean, there, there's a lot in that book people miss altogether period and uh, Roman and I have talked about a couple things dealing with the book I've asked him questions and he's he's like yeah you pegged it but I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't, I don't know if he wants a public or if he wants people to figure it out Right. But, uh, you and I can it out. later live So have you gotten the, the the metaphor yet? When I say that there's a whole lot of God in sanction, there's a whole lot of God in sanction. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, even in the introduction before you got the chapter, what, negative one? Or, <laughs> I mean, I told my wife, I was like, I was like, the references, the biblical references alone are outstanding just in the oh, first chapter. For sure. For sure. Um, I spent a lot of time studying the Bible. I picked up on it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not as as well studied as I think I should be, but I know enough about the Bible. And also, I have that relationship with God to where I can see God in things that normal people can't. And so I was talking to him about that, and he said, yeah, I feel like Christians in general— have a, a better receptiveness they can see it better than people that don't believe at all and so yeah i mean i definitely know where you're coming from on that in theology we call that special revelation it's where god reveals something to you right you general revelation a special revelation everybody has general revelations the sense that there's a god or something higher than so um special revelation is is what god personally reveals to you and in a book like his, where he's so well hidden it, or not hidden it, he's he's placed it so strategically, it's almost a riddle. Right. But if you have that mindset, a Christian mindset, a mindset of special revelation, yeah, I can see how that would be a little easier to pick up. Yeah. For sure, for sure. All right, so let's tie this back into Samson, right? So... Do you think that Samson was an example of a good Christian or a bad Christian? Um, I think 
think Samson is an example of every Christian. Yes. Elaborate. Keep going. From the rebellion to the hard-headedness to remorse and regret and repentance at the end. Um, to how we forget God when times are good and go do what we want. The drinking, the women, the, you know, I'm not saying drinking's getting drunk's a sin, but drinking's not, but there's no good Christian. So he, he's an example of every Christian. Yes, exactly. And I, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because um, I was actually going through Samson with some of the people at my church recently. And a lot of people said that he was a bad Christian. And at the time I agreed with them. But the more that I think about it, the more I think you're right, because my life, I believe, is so closely interacted with his and so like closely knit that I think that if we're going based on is he a good Christian or bad Christian, no Christian is a good Christian because every Christian has gone against the word of God at some point in their lives. And we've all, we're all sinners. But like you're right, he is an example of every Christian that ever lived. And so I like how you said that. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he, I mean, everything, every aspect of his life is every aspect of our lives. If you really, really dig into yourself, you're a lot younger than me. I've made a lot more mistakes than you have, so I can really, I can really press some things in there. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go really Baptist for a second. That's okay. What, one thing I talk about a lot on Twitter is betting your mate before you get married, finding that right woman, finding that perfect woman. Samson's a good example of what happens when you don't. Right. You know, even uh, even the Bible, Second Corinthians six fourteen, be not unequally yoked together with believers, with unbelievers. Um, it's a warning. You, you find somebody. Of like faith, like values, like morals, you're equally yoked. You're going to have a much better time. And Samson went with the Listia woman, um, worshiped different gods, and he did different values, different morals. She was all about getting some silver, and and that that translates into the world today. When I tell people to to vet your man. You know, I told a guy earlier today. He was like, "Where do you go to find good women with?" classic values. I said, well, first thing you need to do is go find a, a independent Baptist church or a Catholic church and find a really devout single woman in there and you got your <laughs> classic woman. And, yeah. you know, it's it's crazy, but uh, it, it, it's I lost my train of thought. It, it's a perfect example of what we're supposed to do. You know, you I've seen many people on Twitter this you're the sum of the five people you hang out with right so granted we're not talking about marriage at this point but if you're a christian and you surround yourselves with christians it will help your walk with god if you're a nazarite and you surround yourself with listings you're going up with a shaved head and tied to pillars right right um so yeah you have to be conscious i'm very very picky with who i associate I vetted you heavily before I agreed to do this podcast. Um, yeah, people forget that, and that's how people end up in the wrong place at the wrong time, or bad situations, or people with a bad stream of luck. 
they just I don't believe in luck. That's just you being stupid and not making sure you're you're surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So do you think that Samson fulfilled the purpose that God had for him, or do you think he did not do that? not a question I expected. <laughs> I mean, I know that I have my thoughts on it, but I was going to let you go first. I think, um, I think ultimately in the end, he did. Um, I'm not saying God's purpose was to kill thousands of Philistines, but God proved the point. So, my my okay. Let me let me back up. So, I think everything we do in life, everything God gives us to do, God sends us to do, I firmly believe is for the glory, absolute glory of God. Yeah. He He brings some self glory through you, whether it's good times or bad times. He's going to get the glory from it. So he so Samson lived a terrible life. I mean, he was he sucked as a Nazarite. But in the end, he shone with God's strength and God's power, and he made a statement. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I do think he fulfilled the role God had for him. That's very good. And I'm glad that I kind of caught you off guard with that one because that was a great answer. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to read uh, Judges chapter 13 and verse 5. And it, but God basically, um, says what his purpose is for Samson. And it says, he's talking to Samson's mother at this point, and he, he says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of, Philist of the Philistines. And I think that that begin explains exactly what the the purpose was and i thought you i think you're exactly right that the purpose is for his glorification but also the fact that he shall begin to deliver israel out of the hand of the philistines because when he killed all those officers and those people that were up above the pillars that set in motion the israelites coming it back to and regaining their country you know and so I mean, think about the beginning of the story <laughs> That's okay. You gave a great answer. I mean, you're exactly right that everything that God, all he wants is glory. And if we could live our entire lives for him and glorifying him, he'd be absolutely happy with that. Yeah. So I, I, let me give you a personal example of that. Um, yeah. You see me post on Twitter about a, I just attended a funeral yesterday. So this man as devout a Christian as you can want to be. Kind, gentle, live for God, live for Christ. Three months ago, he was diagnosed with a tumor on his lung, single-cell carcinoma, uh, the size of a baseball on his lung. And uh, they gave him two months to live, I think, two to three months. And uh, a few weeks of therapy and treatment, he comes back and he tells us, he's like, tumors the size of a quarter now. Like, it's shrinking. It's shrinking fast. It's responding. I mean, the church just erupted praise and glory to God. And, and you know, it, 
God used that cancer to bring him glory. Turn it around. Single cell carcinoma, when you attack it, tends to travel to another part of the body. It did on him and they didn't catch it. It went to his spinal cord and it went to his brain. Mm. Um, two weeks ago, he was singing in the choir with me. Two weeks later, I'm attending his funeral. Wow. It just it happened that quick. But we all knew he was in a lot of pain. He was suffering. His wife asked us to pray that God heal him quick or take him quick. We prayed. He was dead in two hours. Wow. His wife said that, that the last hour, hour and a half, all signs of pain went away. He had a smile on his face. And, you know, all he could talk to her about was he was going home. Wow. Um, it went, I got chill bumps thinking about it. So, once again, glory to God. God showed his awesomeness, his mercy, took that pain away and took him home to glory. You know, it's everything. People people get upset at God. People get mad at God with the death, the illness. But like I tell everybody, God has a purpose for everything, good or bad. Yes, he allows bad to happen, but that bad is for his glory. So as a Christian, we need to find that faith to push forward with it. And in the end, we'll see where God's glory comes from. And ultimately, giving him glory will bring us joy. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, I don't remember where I was going down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> that's okay. I mean, there's a good story. You were talking about um, glorifying God, and that, that you got your point across. I think that's good. That's good. Good stuff. What else do you got? You got anything? Uh, I'm going through my notes. We, we've kind of hit around on several of them. So, I don't know if you caught my blog post on the Barbarian Rhetoric this week. I uh, was talking about desires, no. desires, flesh. Okay. I, I, I missed it, but I'll have to go back and look at it. Okay. Um, I was talking about the desires of the flesh. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about one, one of the worst sins is um, sexual immorality. You know, whether it's perversion, pornography, lust, sleeping around, adultery, you know, a lot of a lot of bad stuff comes from sexual immorality. A lot of murders are crimes of passion. You know, serial killers, ninety-nine percent of them get a sexual thrill from whatever they're going to their victims. So, that, so sexual immorality is is a big thing, and it's a big stumbling block for a lot of men and women. And what got Samson into that situation? Was him lusting after Delilah. Right. Well, so, I guess it began with the first Philistine woman, but as soon as he started going after Philistine women, yeah, yeah. eventually got him into Delilah, which eventually led to his death, you know. Yeah, you're right. right. It, it was it was a fleshly desire that led him down the wrong path. Right. And uh, it, it's, it's not, it's a snippet of the story, but it serves as a very good warning for yeah. all the rest of Keep ourselves in check. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find the verses. I thought about this right before we started. And um, but the Bible tells us to resist Satan, he will flee. You're fighting with the word of God. You know, when 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 Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus fought back with 
quoting scripture. The one sin the Bible tells us to flee from is sexual uh, sexual desire, sexual immorality. It is such a strong sin, it takes a very devout man to fight it. So we should avoid it. Just just, just don't put yourself in the situation. Just avoid it. I, I don't, I'm not sure where I'm going with this because I didn't get to jot it down or finish my thought before the podcast started. But it all leads back to men thinking with their penises. I mean, right. We make terrible decisions. We chase bad women. Samson chased bad woman. Right. If he hadn't chased her with his lust and his desire and married her, he wouldn't have given away his secret. She wouldn't have cut his hair. The whole situation could have turned out differently. Right. And he ignored what God had told him to do, chased after his own flesh. Yeah. I guess that's the point I'm making. When we follow our own flesh, we always end up in a bad situation. Right. Well, and I'm glad you're making that point because, to be honest with you, I feel like you're talking straight to me because, like I said earlier, every time I've ever really been in trouble, it was thinking with my penis. It was chasing after the wrong women. It was doing the wrong thing, you know. And so every time that I've ever really gotten into trouble, it was because of exactly what you're saying. And so I'm really glad you said that. Something to think about. I'm in a... I've been divorced and remarried. I've been through a lot of bad relationships in between that time. And uh, for once, with the wife I have now, I actually got smart about it. (laughs) And now I have a beautiful family, a wonderful marriage. Never been happier at all. But I quit doing it my way, and I did it God's way. Yeah. And and it's it's outstanding, the difference that that's made in my life. Yeah. A fun fact about me: ten years ago, I was a atheist, hardcore Democrat, liberal, super progressive. Yeah. You made you made a thread about this the other day, didn't you, on Twitter? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> keep but, going. Keep going. But uh, I also transvaal. <laughs> I'm on the next one. <laughs> but yeah, that that's impressive. I mean. Got to change your life for sure. Completely turn your life around. Yeah, that 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 upsets a lot of people on the red pill to know that a woman changed me for the better. Right, right, right. Well, I think a lot of the red pill. We're get, we're getting off topic, but a lot of the red <laughs> pill is like losers <laughs> that are bitter about their the world. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop before I tick somebody off. <laughs> All right, you got anything else about Samson? Oh, that's it. We've gone through my notes. Um, I mean, that's all I got as well. So I did. Um, I did. Hold on, let me find this real quick. So when I was doing my research on Samson, I come across a couple sentences that just stuck out to me, and I, I copied them down. And they're not mine; they're from a website that. I'm now plagiarizing because I can't remember the name of the site. But uh, said uh, we see in his life, talking about Samson, the faith that made him strong and overcomes the consequences of his sins. As Christians, we must learn these lessons from Samson. 
Let us all remember that our faith will only grow when we truly believe in another God. Mm-hmm. Those stuck out to me so profoundly. And um, whoever wrote that, forgive me for not remembering who you are. But um, it's so symbolic of. So back to the, him being a Nazarite, he has to grow his hair, has to grow his beard. When he betrayed God, he lost everything. Right. He lost his hair. He lost his hair. He lost his beard. He lost his strength. As Samson sat there, chained to the pillars, and he finally cried back out to God, and his hair began to grow back, and his beard began to come back, and his strength began to come back. And it serves as a reminder that when we turn back to God, cry out to Him, go back to their faith in Him, that God will reward us with the strength, the ability. To do whatever it is that we need to do for him. Um, I put on Twitter. I think I was talking to Dev. I said. Uh, people say. God will never give you more than you can handle. Well I think that's not true. God will always give you more than you can handle. He'll never give you more than he can handle. Right. Because he wants you to rely on him. Exactly. Okay. Him. That, that's my conclusion to Samson. Yeah. That's that's good. That's a good way to end. So um, I was going to do this at the beginning, but I completely forgot. But do you want to close us out with a word of prayer? Yeah, absolutely. All right, go ahead. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for bringing me and Kyle together today, Lord, and anybody that may be listening. Father, I hope that we could have been a blessing to them, Lord, and we could have opened our eyes and opened our heart to something they hadn't thought of before, Father. Lord, ultimately, I hope we have sown a seed in the heart of somebody that needed to hear your word, Lord, that you may go in there, that you may fertilize and help that seed grow, Lord, that they may become more faithful to you. But Father, I pray that Kyle and myself become more faithful to you, Lord, each day as we travel and as we journey through your scriptures, through your words, and through the blessings, the blessings that you have given both of us. Father, I want to thank you again for this time, Lord, and thank you for the blessings that you bestowed on me and my life today. On Kyle and his life, and any of our listeners, Lord, and anybody that's not listening, Lord, we are all children of you, adopted into your royal family. In Jesus' name I pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. All right. I have been Kyle underscore Moonlight on Twitter, kylemoonlight.com. You want to go ahead? Amen. 18 on Twitter. Oh, my website's irrelevant if you don't live within 20 miles of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Side note. Real quick, um, podcasts are supposed to be every Thursday, right? Yep. Thursday is going to be iffy. It depends a lot on what Hurricane Dorian is doing. Because <laughs> uh, by Sunday, it's going to be in Florida, and they're talking about moving back out in the Gulf. And if it does that, it's probably going to slap us. So, uh, if that's the case, probably won't even have power next Thursday. All right. Well, we'll work on a separate day then, a different day for next week, okay? All right, we'll play it by ear. We should know by Monday where it's going. Sounds good. All right, you have a good one. You too, buddy. All right, see you next time.